When you stop and think about how our world is changing, how America is changing, you have to wonder, is it a positive or a negative change? It is, of course, a matter of opinion. And with over 330 million Americans, there are at least that many opinions. So it is up to you to decide which opinion appeals to you. Some media outlets will try to shape your opinion with propaganda and even outright lies or fake news. This is the Truth Hurts program, where I give you what I believe is the most important opinion of all, mine. My name is Steve Z. so sit back and relax and enjoy listening. You might even learn something. And through your feedback, I too might learn something. Election results may vary depending on your local election laws. If your election lasts more than four days, you may need to consult a professional. If you are experiencing stress or anxiety regarding this election, we can direct you to a safe space where you can cry it out, speak to a counselor, or offer you some medicinal relief. Your privileged life has allowed you to become soft and weak, like a snowflake. If you are having trouble coping with the election results, after Electrica may be able to help. Well, good morning, boys and girls. It is the Monday, November 9th edition morning show, The Truth Hurts, the not-yet-award-winning program with your not-yet-award-winning host, me, Steve Z. This is the College of Common Sense at the University of Universal Understanding, and I am your professor of prophecy, your teller of truth, your sayer of sooth. And we've got a whole lot to talk about this morning. And we'll do that right after we do this. I'm the Alfred to Steve Z's Bruce Wayne and Batman. Keeping the gears greased, the hot pot of tea on the fire, the topics organized and the broadcasting equipment in top-notch condition so that you, our loyal listeners, can be informed, enlightened and educated by the real superhero of broadcasting superiority. And since I am but a computer-generated voice, I deserve none of the accolades reserved for the true hero. Here is your host, taking credit for all the wonderful things that I do on a daily basis. The incomparable Steve Z. Yes, he is the Alfred to my Bruce Wayne, my incomparable British servant, the computer-generated voice in the back room. Pay much attention to the man behind the curtain, for it is me. I am a firm believer in A, you get what you pay for, and B, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Elections have consequences, or so they say. Supporting certain candidates also has consequences. I say this because if you recall a time way, way, way back to 2018, there was this massive push to protest against certain companies that did not support the BM, uh, excuse me, BLM movement. You know, that massive extortion ring, that protection racket known as BLM. There were calls for boycotts and open campaigns against companies who did not pay their protection money to the group of thugs and rioters and arsonists and looters. If you remember back in the 1990s, there was a backlash against a certain razor manufacturer because that company 
if they were really the best a man can get, why didn't they show more black men and why didn't that company address shaving bumps that certain demographics in the AA 13% minority hyphenated American crowd get when they shave? Remember all of the not-my-president BS that went on after Donald Trump was elected? The anarchy, the rioting, the looting, all of the four years' worth of fake news, false narratives, phony dossiers, and all of the lies that were made up to try and get Donald Trump to step down? Yes, that type of backlash. Well, I told you all of that to tell you this. Fake book, or the book of face is facing serious backlash from millions of conservatives for their obvious bias and for their tampering with the 2020 presidential election. And this time, the backlash is coming in the form of a massive boycott, a massive exodus from Mark Zuckerberg's social media platform. Also, Twitter is concerned over the mass departure that is being planned by conservatives who not only think but know that that company, along with Fakebook, was directly involved in tampering with this election by specifically omitting points of view to the conservative side and promoting points of view of the liberal side. So, this massive exodus began over the past weekend, and both platforms are a bit concerned. I haven't seen the stock market numbers as of this morning regarding Twitter or Facebook, but I would imagine those folks might just be a little concerned. In a move touted as the great exodus from both Zuckerberg's Facebook and the Twitterverse to a platform called Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, I was smashed with invites to join Parler over the weekend. The fake book accounts that I keep also were filled with invitations to exit Facebook and to switch over to the Parler platform. Parler was launched in 2018 as an alternative to the very left-leaning fake book and Twitter. Though President Trump enjoyed the popularity of Twitter, the platform did not enjoy Donald Trump. They censored him at every turn as did Fakebook, and the folks at Parler seized on that opportunity to launch an alternative social media platform, and so far it is working. I did some research on the Parler platform. My first step was Wikipedia, another left-leaning site that poses as a non-biased media source. You and I both know better. We both know that those sites are heavily biased against conservative or libertarian values. Anyhow, so I looked it up on the Wikipedia site, and according to Wikipedia, quote, Parler is a United States-based microblogging and social networking service launched in 2018. Parler has a significant user base of Trump supporters, conservatives, and here it comes, Saudi nationals. Now, why do they have to throw that in there? The Wikipedia definition of Parler says posts on the website often contain far-right content, anti-Semitism, and conspiracy theories, unquote. You see, 
when you define something and then put your opinion in there along with it, that shows how biased you are, Wikipedia. It's like saying Twitter or Facebook has lots of far left-leaning agenda and conspiracy theories and anti-white, anti-conservative rhetoric. But you don't see that definition in the Wikipedia explanation of Facebook or Twitter. They go further to say, quote, The site has been described as an alternative to Twitter and is popular among people who have been banned from mainstream social networks or who oppose their moderation policies. The site markets itself as a free speech and unbiased alternative to mainstream social networks such as Twitter and Facebook. However, journalists and users have criticized the service for content policies that are more restrictive than the company portrays and sometimes more restrictive than those of its competitors. As of July 2020, the site had 2.8 million users, many of whom joined in mid-2020, unquote. You notice they just had to mention things like Saudi nationals, anti-Semitism, and far-left bias. Give me a break, Wikipedia. Your credibility is dropping like a condom at a prom parking lot. My search continued then to Forbes.com, which you might think would be more conservative since Steve Forbes, the founder, was a former presidential candidate whose platform included a logical flat tax years ago and was a conservative in principle. But it also now has a left-leaning media bias. They published an article, Forbes magazine, Forbes.com, that is, published an article back in June of this year where Abram Brown, a staff reporter, asked the founder, John Matsey, why he decided to launch a social platform when there were so many others out there already. Matsey said of the app, highly praised by President Donald Trump, by the way, that he was one day sitting here banning trolls. By trolls, he means teenage leftists who flooded onto parlor after the Trump campaign publicly declared on Wednesday that it might decamp from Facebook and Twitter and refocus its efforts on parlor. It seems that moments after President Trump mentioned abandoning Facebook and Twitter and going to parlor, an energized group of teenage mutant leftist trolls decided to infiltrate the parlor site and try to crash it. Parlor, as in parlor room where a chat might happen, is a two-year-old app dedicated to the promulgation of free speech. Right now, Parler is hosting very one-sided conversation, according to some leftist organizations, but that is their right. The left could start their own app tomorrow, but they don't need to because they already have Facebook and Twitter. The very notion of Parler irritates the left because now there is an opportunity for conservatives, centrists, and right-leaning people to voice their opinion in a social media platform where their rights are not censored by the ownership. Their right to free speech, to expression, to post their opinion is not held back and not questioned by so-called fake fact-checkers every time they post something on their platform. 
The hidden message in the Forbes report pointed to the obvious conservative lean to the new platform, and they may be right. There is a call on Facebook and Twitter this past weekend for a massive exodus from both of those platforms and on to Parler. I opened my Parler account over the weekend and will likely transition to that platform in the very near future and exit from Facebook and Twitter in short order. Of course, I've been advised by my producers that I may want to keep my Facebook presence open so that I can read all of the fake news that is constantly posted there so that I can impart that knowledge to you, my loyal listeners. We shall see. All I know is that over the weekend, Parler's numbers grew from 3 million to over 6 million, and it was such a massive movement towards Parler that their site actually crashed multiple times. I do urge patience, as the growing pains are obviously there, as this platform accepts more and more new users. It is my sincere hope that at least 69 million Americans decide to join Parler and abandon the liberal, left-leaning social media platforms that they currently occupy. And because Parler is experiencing growing pains and some initial rejection, sort of like how Elon Musk must feel knowing his Tesla cars are really well built, but having a massive rejection of electric cars in general, standing in the way of what could potentially be one day a good vehicle, Parler will have to trudge along. However, if this past weekend is any indication, the new social media platform experienced a three-day, almost three-and-a-half million member increase. And like I said, it actually crashed their massive server farm in the process. If they are to succeed, they will have to immediately address technical glitches, concerns, or the frustrated new and potential new users might feel that they should fall back to their old standby. You know, Buicks and Fords and Pontiacs. In other words, Facebook or Twitter. Biased and bigoted as Facebook and Twitter might be, they have cemented themselves as large enough organizations to garner some quote, credibility, unquote, with listeners, viewers, and others who don't really know better. This is the Truth Hurts program, and you can follow me on Parlor at Steve Z The Truth Hurts. We'll be right back. Your teller of truth, your facilitator of fact, your communicator of common sense. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Z. Although I was and am and will continue to be an optimist hoping for the best, I must also be a realist. With the presidential election looking more and more like gropey Joe Biden and camel toe Harris have eked out a win, not a mandate, mind you, but a razor's edge thin win, if the media reports are correct, and if recounts and legal challenges fall flat, we must now look to the two seats in the U.S. Senate that have been forced into a runoff election in the state of Georgia to save our democracy from utter leftist leanings. 
Democrats' chances of taking back the U.S. Senate in Republican hands since 2015 now look more slim than ever. I can hear you cheering in the background. Their path, Democrats that is, their path to the majority now hinge on winning two runoff elections in Georgia that will take place January 5th of next year. Democrats flipped seats in Colorado and Arizona but failed to make any gains in Iowa, Maine, Montana, or Texas. And as of early this morning, the tie continues in the U.S. Senate. The U.S. Senate is made up currently of 53 Republicans, 45 Democrats, and two independents who generally caucus with Democrats, meaning the Democrats need to win back four to five seats. Democrats' hopes of regaining the majority in the Senate held by the GOP for the last five years are looking quite precarious, thank God. The final outcome will likely not be known until January, thanks to those two races in Georgia. Control of the Senate will now rely on Democrats winning those two runoffs in Georgia, which will both be held January 5th, and having Camel Toe Harris in the White House as the vice resident in order to carry a tie vote to the Democrat side in any matter that becomes deadlocked. When the Senate reconvenes after the election process is over, if today was the final tally, Democrats have 48 Senate seats, Republicans have 48 Senate seats, And as of this morning, Monday, November 9th, there are still undecided races in Alaska and North Carolina that have not been yet called. And of course, those two runoff seats in Georgia. Democrats have retained Senator Gary Peters' seat in Michigan and flipped the Senate seat in Colorado that was held by Republican Cory Gardner. Democrat Mark Kelly has also won the special election in Arizona to fill the late John McCain's seat defeating the embattled Martha McSally. He will serve the rest of McCain's term until 2022. But Democrats failed to throw out incumbents in Iowa, Montana, Texas, and Maine. They lost Senator Doug Jones of Alabama to the Republicans and appear unlikely to win those seats in North Carolina or Alaska. With the odds of Democrats winning an outright majority in the chamber looking increasingly slim, Their most likely path to reach a 50-50 tie with Republicans would be to flip both U.S. Senate seats in Georgia. Then, Camel Toe Harris, as your new vice resident, would serve as the resident of the Senate and would break any tiebreaker votes. And as I said, both Georgia Senate races are in a runoff election scheduled for January 5, 2021. If no candidate wins over 50% of the vote in the Georgia elections, the race would then go to a runoff between the top two vote-getters. No candidate has received a majority in either regularly scheduled Senate election between first-term Republican David Perdue and Democrat challenger John Ossoff. The same thing happened in the special jungle election for Georgia's other U.S. Senate seat, which is currently held by Republican appointee Kelly Loeffler. Loeffler is a wealthy businesswoman appointed to the U.S. seat in Georgia by Brian Kemp, the governor, back in 2019, 
to replace Senator Johnny Isaacson. She ran in a jungle special election with a slew of other candidates from parties on Tuesday and will now face Democrat Raphael Warnock, a pastor, to serve out the rest of Isaacson's term until 2022. Those two Georgia runoff elections, like I said, are set to take place on the first Tuesday in January, will likely determine control of the U.S. Senate for several years to come and are likely to see millions and millions of dollars in outside spending by both parties. The presidential race in Georgia between President Donald Trump and resident-elect Biden is too close to call, with Biden ahead of Trump as of this morning, but they're still counting votes almost a week after the election. And they call Louisiana and Mississippi backwards southern states. We had the elections counted, boxed up, certified, and ready to go the very night of the election on November 3rd. And they still can't finalize their count over six days later. As much as I don't like her, Susan Collins held on to her longtime seat in Maine. Sarah Gideon, the Democrat challenger, gave a concession speech meaning that Collins, a barely Republican in name only, is going to hang on to her seat. Republican incumbent Steve Daines held on to his seat against former Montana Governor Steve Bullock's failure to unseat him. Bullock forced a highly competitive race in Montana, a reliably red state at the presidential level. Republican Joni Ernst fended off her Democrat challenger, Teresa Greenfield, in the corn shucker state of Iowa. Trump ally Lindsey Graham held on despite a tough race in deep red South Carolina against Jamie Harrison, who put up a formidable fight in South Carolina despite raising a little bit more money than Graham. But as one of the most high-profile Republican senators in the chamber, Graham managed to pull out the win in his historically Republican state. Another Republican incumbent, John Cornyn, won a close call from his challenger over there in the Senate, securing a fourth term. And the guy I like to imitate, Senator Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell defeated Amy McGrath in Kentucky. However, Democrat Governor John Hickenlooper defeated Republican Cory Gardner in Colorado. This back-and-forth contest has indeed been a nail-biter. Coach Tommy Tuberville kicked his Democrat challenger's butt in Alabama. And no Democrat dared even challenge the Arkansas Senate Republican Tom Cotton. So he's automatically back in. Bill Cassidy won again as a Republican in Louisiana. Republican Representative Roger Marshall de uh, defeated State Senator Barbara Bollier for the open Kansas Senate seat vacated by the retiring Senator Pat Roberts. And we have a few others, but you know what? The bottom line is it's all coming down to Georgia. I would highly recommend that if you know anyone in Georgia, please push, push, push them. We do not need gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris in the White House, naughty, nasty Nancy Pelosi running the, the House of Representatives, 
and a Senate controlled by Chuckles Schumer. That, boys and girls, could be the end of our democracy as we know it and a radical shift to the left we do not need. This is the Truth Hurts program, and we will be back right after this. If you have come here seeking liberal lies laced with socialist ideas and a communist agenda, you have indeed come to the wrong podcast. This is The Truth Hurts with Steve Z. Perhaps one of the last bastions of conservatism and common sense. Tune in and listen, if you dare. But be warned, you might learn something. They say... It ain't over till the fat lady sings. I think, in the distant background, I hear a diva in the green room warming up her voice. But it truly is not over, not yet, not legally. Legal challenges aside, the Electoral College has not yet voted, and only certain mainstream media outlets are calling the election over for gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris. Oh, how soon they forget the year 2000 when then-president-elect Al Gore was out shaking hands and making backroom deals because he just knew he was going to be the president, and then he was bitch-slapped with the massive hand of reality as a recount in the highly contested state of Florida proved that George W. Bush had actually won the election, tipping the Electoral College to Bush's favor, hanging chads and all. Could 2020 be a repeat of 2000? Except now it's not Florida. It's Pennsylvania. It's Georgia. It's Wisconsin. The media and cowardly never-Trumpers like G.W. Bush are calling Biden already and congratulating him. Could actual Department of Justice inquiries into ballot fraud actually cause Biden to once again lick his wounds as a third-time loser? Or will this third time be a charm? Could recounts in controversial swing states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin actually change the vote count? I just wonder, as Biden takes all of these congratulations calls, if he even realizes what it is they are congratulating him for. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very, thank you very much. Uh, I was a senator? Yeah, I'm a senator. No, wait a minute. No, Mr. Biden, you're the president. I'm the president? I'm the president? Well, I thought George, 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 George was something was, uh, the, uh, oh, you know the thing. Come on, man. Oh, how I can only wish, hope, and pray that the report I read last week is true and that official ballots in some states were indeed actually watermarked for security purposes, and that the recount and court challenges will prove that a massive number of mail-in ballots are fake, phony, and false. I mean, how, just really how, can a 30-person showing at a Biden rally even compare to a 30,000-person rally for Donald Trump? Don't you find it suspicious? That as Biden strolled through the election in his basement, Donald Trump was out gathering and garnering tens of thousands at rallies. And somehow, with virtually zero Biden bumper stickers, zero Biden yard signs, zero Biden billboards, gropey Joe wins the election in the middle of the night after Trump was ahead. 
Did the magic vote fairy fly over and come in under the cover of darkness and under the cover of polling station windows to steal this election outright? Probably so. But with the mainstream media calling the shots, controlling the audio, controlling the video, controlling the narrative, we may never know. And all of Gropey Joe's Burisma dealings, China dealings, Russia dealings, Ukraine dealings, if he makes it to the White House, they will brush all of that under the rug just like they did Hillary's emails. It is highly, highly likely that we may never hear of the word Burisma or Hunter Biden again. I just wonder how deep the deep state actually runs. After all, Trump was the president for four years. He did amazing things with our economy to the benefit and betterment of all Americans, including the hyphenated AA 13% minority crowd, including the Latino, Latina, Latinx crowd, including the L's, the G's, the B's, the Q's, the T's, the R's, and all the other little alphabet fringe groups. Donald Trump did things for you as president. Don't you just love it when things occur just as Steve Z has predicted? It gives me a tingle. I know you are also feeling the tingle. Admit it. You are tingling. Right there. The tingle. The truth hurts. According to Politico, the American workforce will likely look much different under a gropey Joe Biden presidency. The former vice resident and U.S. senator has four decades of relationships with union leaders behind him, setting him up to potentially be the most labor-friendly president the U.S. has ever had. Biden, who won the endorsement of many unions during this past election, has made labor reform a fundamental part of his program and is widely expected to name at least one union leader to his cabinet. Did you hear that? Bill Spriggs, the AFL-CIO's chief economist, said, quote, I don't think Obama got labor, and I think Joe Biden gets it. When Biden walks in a room with labor leaders, he feels like, oh, oh, I'm at home, unquote. The coronavirus pandemic continues to stoke permanent job losses and compromise worker safety. The case for structural change may be stronger than ever, according to the union folk. Former Labor Secretary Robert Reich, uh, as Rush used to say, he told Politico, the coronavirus has raised public consciousness and awareness about the plight of the working class in America, including low-wage workers and the kind of people who used to be unionized, and revealed the utter lack of worker protections. The scope of what Biden can accomplish could be limited by the Senate, where those two Georgia Senate races won't be decided until January come into play. If Republicans maintain control of the Senate, they could curtail many of Gropey Joe's plans. Let us hope in God above that that is the case. Still, the transition will be a sharp turn from the Trump White House, under which union membership has dropped and pay inequity has widened, according to Democrats. 
and enforcement of labor laws has supposedly dwindled. Some of the Democrats' highest priorities will be counteracting action taken or not taken by the Trump administration. According to Democrat Andy Levin of Michigan, who sits on the House Education and Labor Committee, quote, there's a litany of things the Trump administration has done that we have to undo, unquote. Now, you see, it's okay for them to say, let's undo Trump's stuff. But oh my God, when Donald Trump said, let's undo all of Obama's mistakes, he was called a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, a divider. But it's okay. The Democrats just want to undo everything Trump did. I guess the Democrats don't realize the record low unemployment, the record high job participation rate, the world record unemployment low figures for AA hyphenated 13% Americans and Hispanics. Here are some things that lawmakers and experts say workers and employers can expect from a Biden-Harris White House. Number one, heightened worker safety enforcement. One of the first things a Biden administration will likely move to do is instruct the Labor Department's OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, to set up worker safety enforcement, including by enacting emergency temporary standards or a set of guidelines governing how employers must protect their employees from COVID-19 and ramping up penalties on violators. With an estimated 72,000 workers having tested positive for coronavirus in a country of 330 million and 315 fatalities blamed on COVID-19 in the food system, Democrats and labor advocates have become increasingly vocal in criticizing the Labor Department under Trump for what they say is leniency. You will have the OSHA police standing over you at every turn. Despite having received more than 10,000 complaints since the pandemic started, the agency hasn't proposed a penalty greater than $30,000 for coronavirus-related risks, even in cases where workers supposedly died. Republicans have shot down an emergency standard, insisting employers need extra flexibility during a recession caused by the Democrats' shutdown. Biden's campaign has advocated to, quote, immediately release and enforce an ETS, an Emergency Temporary Standard, to give employers and frontline employees specific enforceable guidance on what to do to reduce the spread of COVID and double the number of OSHA investigators to enforce the law and existing standards and guidelines. It has begun. He is automatically going to increase the cost of government by hiring double the number of OSHA inspectors. I'm telling you, folks, someone has to pay for this, and it's not going to be in fines from the companies. These are going to be permanent government positions that you, the taxpayers, will have to foot the bill for from now until eternity. Number two, what to expect under a biden Toe harris administration Remember, Biden campaigned on enacting much of the Democratic labor legislation passed out of Speaker Nasty Pelosi's house in 2020 and in 2019. Biden said in July he would push to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour and eliminate the so-called tipped wage, 
which allows employers to count tips towards servers' mandated wages. Both of those provisions were included in the House-passed Raise the Wage Act. The federal minimum wage has not gone up since 2009 when it was hiked to $7.25 an hour. Stop for a moment. You heard it, folks. Biden is going to raise the minimum wage. And this takes me to a tangent that I think you probably understand, but many in your family, your friends, and your circle of influence may not understand. If you take a person currently making $7.25 per hour and you give them $15 an hour, what do you think their supervisor, who only makes $10 an hour, is going to demand? $15? Oh, hell no! You're going to give the minimum wage worker a doubling of their salary? So if I'm making $10, you better double mine as well. I want $20. Well, now the store manager, who's barely making $19 an hour, He's going to want his doubled as well. And since he's the manager of these highly paid minimum wage $15 an hour employees and these highly paid $20 an hour mid-level managers, well, you better double mine to $40 an hour. Your Big Mac is going to go from $3.69 to about $13.50. Because remember, there are a whole bunch of people at that restaurant. There are a whole bunch of people who are expecting and will demand that their salary doubles. After all, if the minimum wage employee is making $7.25 now and gets bumped to $15, and his manager is just barely making over $15, why the hell would he want that responsibility to remain as a manager unless you double his as well? Now, if you're going to double the manager's wage to $40 an hour, think about a guy across town who's actually sweating his ass off welding, making 25, 30 bucks an hour. He's gonna demand that his go up as well. The upward spiral is called inflation, boys and girls, and you may or may not realize this, that is what ruins economies. For those of you who were around during Jimmy Carter's time in the presidency, you might remember what inflation actually looks like. You might remember that Everything pretty much doubled in price. You want to buy a house? Try 28% interest. Yeah, 28% interest, depending on your credit score, of course. Right now, under Donald Trump, we are enjoying record low interest rates. 2.35 to 2.65% for a 30-year fixed mortgage, according to LendingTree.com, as of Friday. Now imagine, when everybody's wages go up, the cost of every item, every good, every service is going to have to go up because companies still want to make their profits and they're entitled to make a profit. Mr. Jones, the guy who owns the hardware store at the corner of 5th and Elm over there in downtown Ogallala, Nebraska, right now he's paying his employees a tad over 7.25 an hour. I think he's paying 8.50. But if he has to go up to $15 an hour, he's going to either have to lay off half of his workforce, which means those who are earning 15 now under the new minimum wage are going to be doing twice as much work and they're not going to be happy. Or he has to raise his prices. He can't stay in business and pay his house note if all of his profits are being dumped 
directly into the pockets of his newly increased minimum wage workers from $8.50 an hour to $15 an hour. That 59 cent bolt, that 39 cent washer, that 19 cent nut will likely double or triple in price. Congratulations, you just ruined an economy, Gropey Joe. Biden also pledged he would sign the House-passed Protecting the Right to Organize Act, the PRO Act, which would strengthen workers' ability to unionize and simply walk off the job if they don't get what they want. It's sort of like what they did with the protesters, the rioters, the anarchists, and the looters. We're going to take away any punishment for you destroying things because we think you have the right to do so. He's going to allow them to form unions via card check elections where employees sign forms authorizing the union to represent them in Globo. The PRO Act would be the most important labor law reform since the Wagner Act in 1935 or even the National Labor Relations Act, according to Levin. Passing these bills will be highly unlikely if Republicans control the Senate. So once again, pray that we control the Senate. Even if some of the measures make it through, signing them would be an uphill battle for Biden, who will have to balance the union's demands with competing business interests and some of the more moderate voices who actually helped him to win, supposedly, this election. Robert Reich said the business community is going to place a lot of demands on Biden and his administration. It's not going to like his tax increases on the wealthy or on big corporations. It's not going to like his environmental regulations and the laws he has promised. And there's only a limited amount of political capital that a new president has. Think about that. Mumbling, fumbling, bumbling, stumbling, crumbling, mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy, gropey Joe Biden has been outspoken against Trump's trade war with China, labeling some of the White House's tariffs damaging and disastrous. If gropey Joe lifts some of Trump's trade restrictions, it could provide an immediate boost to the manufacturing workforce, according to some in the Democrat ranks. I disagree. Despite gaining 66,000 jobs in September, factory employee is down because of the pandemic overhype, overreporting, overblowing, according to Labor Department statistics. In Gropey Joe's manufacturing plan, he advocates for a pro-American worker tax and a strong strategy to fix the harmful policies that he says the Trump administration put into effect, and he wants to give manufacturers and workers the, quote, fair shot they need, unquote. He wants a series of tax credits and executive actions to be put into place, although he could, in theory, lift any tariff as soon as he takes office. He must also answer to business and other interests that might want the restrictions to stay in place as a plan is actually formed. You see, all along, Gropey Joe has been saying, I have a plan, I have a plan, I have a plan. He has no freaking plan. A top trade advisor said his administration will not rule out imposing new tariffs on imports. So the guy who calls Trump's tariffs bad has not ruled out new tariffs on imports. 
Unions, including the United Steelworkers, which represent about a million workers and retirees in several manufacturing industries, they claim they have confidence in Biden's plan, whatever it might entail. Do you understand the stupidity of that statement? They claim they have confidence in Biden's plan, whatever it may entail. They're just going along party lines, people. Biden has no plan, and yet these unions are saying, We're behind you, Joe. (laughs) We're behind you 100%. No matter what your plan might be, if you ever decide to come up with a plan, that is. (laughs) We're behind you, Joe. The United Steelworkers says they're looking forward to working with Biden and implementing and developing plans to get the country, quote, back on track. The USW said in a statement, he'll attend to our domestic supply chains, strengthening U.S. manufacturing and making us all safer, unquote. The former vice resident is also widely expected to take back control of the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, the agency responsible for enforcing the National Labor Relations Act and settling disputes between unions and employers. Under Trump, the makeup of the NLRB shifted to include three Republicans who were all Trump appointees and one Democrat, a holdover whose nomination the Senate approved back in July. The second Democrat seat remains empty, and with a three-to-one majority, Republican members have pushed through a series of corporate-friendly decisions including the pivotal call last May that Uber drivers can be classified as independent contractors, which they are, as opposed to employees. With his first term, Biden would be able to reestablish a Democrat majority on the board, realigning decision-making with those that were seen under the Barack Hussein Obama administration. Now, despite the lofty promises made along the campaign trail, Former Democrat presidents like Dollar Bill Cigar Clinton and Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama offer proof that labor reform is never a sure thing. Both Clinton and Obama pledged to push through a wide range of policy, only to have their plans overtaken by other agenda items like health care. Remember, Obama pledged to enact the Employee Free Choice Act. Some of the provisions were later folded into this PRO Act only to eventually focus his entire legislative efforts elsewhere, leaving that package to die on the table, despite having, at his time, a Democrat majority in the House and the Senate. It's like I always say, folks, Democrats promise the minorities, the AA 13% hyphenated American crowd, the Hispanics, the alphabet crowd, the LGBTQRSTUV crowd, and labor. They promise them the world, and then they just do their own thing when they get into office. Bob Bruno, the director of the Labor Studies program at the University of Illinois, said, Labor's been in this place before, where the political stars have aligned, and labor hasn't been a priority. It took a back seat to health care. It took a back seat to a bailout for the auto industry. It took a back seat to stimulus bills. It never happened. Unquote. Robert Reich said, none of this is a slam dunk. I got to give credit where credit is due. Part of this article came from Rebecca Rainey, an independent reporter. This is the Truth Hurts program. Be back in a minute. This is the Truth Hurts program. 
Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, however, we retract nothing. Now remember, for the past nine or ten months, gropey, mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden has been bashing the Trump administration and its response to the coronavirus outbreak. Pfizer Pharmaceuticals announced today that their vaccine is now proving to be 90% effective and will likely get approval by the end of the month, just as President Donald Trump predicted. The Dow Jones reacted by a major upturn up over 1,484 points as of this particular report. As of 9 a.m. Central Time, the Dow was sitting at 29,688. Holy cow. And, of course, not to be undone, gropey Joe Biden is now also celebrating this news. Come on, Joe, you can't take credit for something that happened under Obama's administration. The development is a significant step towards combating the global pandemic at a time when many parts of the world are seeing a rise in cases. Donald Trump tweeted, Stock market up big. Vaccine coming soon. Report 90% effective. Such great news. Biden also celebrated the success of the trial, but also warned that the pandemic remains a problem and will likely to continue to be one for months to come. Biden, with his winter of cold darkness, is a gloom and doom guy. How the hell can a country elect a guy who has prophesied only gloom, doom, failure, downturn, sadness, and sorrow? unless that's what he's peddling. Think about it. Biden said, and I'll have to try and do this seriously. I congratulate the brother women and men who produce a breakthrough and give us such a success for hope. It's a cause for hope. And at the same time, it is also important to understand that the battle against COVID-19 is still months away. The news follows previously announced timeline by industry officials that forecast vaccine approval by late November. Even if that's achieved, some Americans are vaccinated later this year. It will be many, many, many more months before it's widespread vaccination in this country. What? All right, I'll do it seriously. I congratulate the brilliant women and men who helped produce this breakthrough and to give us such cause for hope. At the same time, it is also important to understand that the end of the battle against COVID-19 is still months away. This news follows a previously announced timeline by industry officials that forecast vaccine approval by late November. Even if that is achieved and some Americans are vaccinated later this year, it will be many more months before there is widespread vaccination in this country. Biden went on to remind Americans to continue wearing masks and practice social distancing and other preventive measures. The bottom line here, folks, is that there is a vaccine as predicted by Donald Trump during his presidency. The vaccine is being approved during his presidency, not gropey Joe Biden's presidency, Donald Trump's presidency. The heads of Pfizer and BioNTech celebrated the breakthrough as a reason for hope for the country. 
Pfizer President, Chairman, and CEO, Dr. Albert Borla said in a statement, Today is a great day for science and humanity. The first set of results from our Phase 3 COVID-19 vaccine trial provides the initial evidence of our vaccine's ability to prevent COVID-19. We are reaching this critical milestone in our vaccine development program at a time when the world needs it most, with infection rates setting new records, hospitals nearing overcapacity, and economies struggling to reopen. With today's news, we are a significant step closer to providing people around the world with a much-needed breakthrough to help bring an end to this global health crisis. BioNTech CEO and co-founder Ugar Sahin called the trial's result, quote, a victory for innovation, science, and a global collaborative effort, and that in the midst of a second wave, and many of us in lockdown, we appreciate even more how important this milestone is on our path towards ending this pandemic and for all of us to regain a sense of normality. The companies expect to produce as many as 50 million doses this year and 1.3 billion with a B next year. And it has all happened under the watchful eye and careful direction of the White House Coronavirus Task Force appointed by your president, Donald J. Trump, and manned and headed by your vice president, Michael Pence. So no matter what happens, Joe Biden cannot take credit for curing coronavirus. This happened under the watch of Donald J. Trump, your president of the United States. And one final passing note, Alex Trebek, longtime host of Jeopardy, one of my favorite game shows, has passed at the age of 80 after enduring a long-fought battle with cancer. Rest in peace, Mr. Trebek. The world will miss you. This is the Truth Hurts program, and that's going to wrap up our morning edition for November 9th. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you a little later on. I, I'm not sure I can get it up in time. My vote, that is. I'm having problems in the voting booth, if you know what I mean. I'm not used to having someone watch directly over my shoulders when I, you know, do it. I used to be able to do it several times without any problems. Now I can't. Does this sound like you at election time? Perhaps you need medical help. Votalis may be just what you need. What about an election that lasts more than four hours? How about one that lasts more than four days? What's a man to do? Votalis is for elections lasting more than 24 hours and may cause sleeplessness, changes in mood, hissy fits, nervousness, nausea, vomiting, uncontrollable anxiety, weight gain, inability to perform, and other side effects. Ask your election official if Votalis is right for you. Now that I've found Votalis, I don't care when the election gets resolved. Thanks, Votalis. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. This is the College of Common Sense at the University of Universal Understanding. We hope that you have learned something worthwhile from today's presentation, and we invite you to share it with family, friends, 
co-workers, and even those you do not particularly care for. Programs like The Truth Hurts with Steve Z are amongst our most cherished rights in a, so far, free nation. Let us hope that freedom can be continued. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. This recorded work is copyright 2020 and is the property of Steve Knight Productions, all rights reserved. The Truth Hurts program is produced at Studio 63 in association with Steve Knight Productions, and background music is provided by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Again, we thank you for listening. <laughs>